many, many men. So I thought today uh, we talk a little bit about righteous disobedience, man, righteous disobedience. We're not talking about civil disobedience or anything political, but we're talking about righteous disobedience. And uh, <clears throat> you need to understand that we are a, um, a world that's in constant conflict. Amen? There are unseen battles going on all the time in the realm of the spirit. And so uh, we are in a, an age now where we are seeing the manifestation of kingdom against kingdom. Amen. It's always been God's kingdom against the kingdoms of this world. God uh, has ordained to have a people in the earth that can demonstrate who he is to the rest of the world. That's his plan. He never changes his plan because his plan's perfect. He doesn't have to change anything, amen, to make it work. It's going to work anyway, amen, whether we believe it or not, whether you ever see it or not, his plan will work. His plan is to have the knowledge of him all over the earth. He doesn't want anybody to not know who he is uh, for real, Uh, up close and personal revelation of God. And to have the truth of God inside of us. That's what he wants. There's so many assumptions made about God. There's so many lies told about God. The devil always lies on God. He lies on us to God and lies on uh, God to us to keep confusion going on. He's kind of like a jealous third party in a marriage. Not a run back and forth. I mean, if you let him. If people who aren't wise, now I know you guys know better. You know it's leave and cleave. Don't listen to anybody. If your old lady is messing with you, tell God, not your neighbor. You know that kind of stuff. Right. And then God will tell you, you straighten up your act. and I'll. So that's why we go to a neighbor. We don't want to be told to straighten up. Huh? I remember when I was married, my husband wasn't saved. I thought he was responsible for everything wrong in the world, you know. Every time I would go to God, conviction would come on me. I said, oh, yeah, okay, right. Love, forgive, be at peace. Uh, chill out, peace out. <clears throat> go bake some biscuits if he ain't acting right. Butter him up with a biscuit and some gravy. Amen. <laughs> and for the men in the audience, Butter her up. With, don't bring no aprons, no uh, uh, what are the things? Pancake turners with spatulas. Huh? Uh, bring something personal, and make sure make it sure it's carrots. You count the weight in carrots and not points. I learned I learned how to count real early. Huh? One, two, three, four, five, six, ninety-six uh, points to a carrot. What we want? A third minimum. Thirty-six points. Yeah, we don't count the points no more. I'll tell you about that when I... No, I'm not going to go there. I'm gonna go there. Okay, I'm going to tell you something. I was so excited. My husband and I, future husband, went to buy my really wedding ring. 
he skipped the engagement ring. He thought I wasn't paying attention. Yeah. And then later on, he 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 did a butterfly McQueen. You remember her on uh, Gone with the Wind? Yeah. Oh, Lord have mercy. I don't know nothing about buying no diamond rings. Huh? Tried to play that on me like he's all ignorant and stuff. So anyway, I'm <laughs> looking at the little diamonds. And they were really, really pretty, but I didn't realize it was, <laughs> he said, now these are 10 points. I said, what's a point? I said, I thought you were supposed to get carrots. He said, well, with your budget, I said, ooh, the problem. We nipped the problem in the bud right there. So I decided we ain't going the budget route no more when it comes to nothing for the kid. You got me? You got me? So all you men out there who are, Expecting to bless your wife on a budget, forget about it. Forget about it. Uh-huh. First thing them brothers want to do is put you under the dollar and cents thing. What's a wife worth to you? Her price is above rubies. That's what my Bible says. So let's get with it. <laughs> Burping all in babies for you and they look just like you. She was she was hoping for Denzel lookalikes, but he already taken. Okay, we ain't going nowhere nowhere much. We're talking today about righteous disobedience. Righteous disobedience. Amen. Not in your marriage, but it can happen there can happen anywhere. Righteous disobedience is the determination in the heart of a righteous person. And I'm not talking about self-righteousness. I'm not talking about new age philosophy where you feel if you eat vegetables, you're better than everybody else. Huh? If you eat vegetables and you take yoga, that makes you holy. We're talking about The imputed righteousness of the Son of God that enables a person to make moral decisions that they can stick with and build a lifestyle around. So your morality must be a building block. It must be solid in your life. And you have to have a foundation and to make building blocks that you build your life around. So this can't be... Uh, kind of thing where you join because you hear people are protesting. You got me? That's not righteous disobedience. Righteous disobedience comes when a person is confronted by the kingdoms of this world. And they are the kingdoms of this world are defying the individual to stand for their God. It's a simple decision like that. What are the kingdoms of this world dictating Uh, that people live by what standards are they causing you to they want you to conform to in order that you have a peaceful life in the world this is what we're talking about and so we know that we are are in a, a, a season or a we're coming up into an era of greater conflict where the spiritual forces are really fighting kind of like more or less in the open now 
years ago it was very subtle where the enemy would try little bit by little bit to chip away at your Christianity and your stance in God. God then counters with more power for his people. That's always his answer to every conflict is that if we will take a stand, he will come and equip us with a greater anointing, a greater protection. He always ups the ante on the enemy so that his promise to us that no enemy will be able to stand before us all the days of our lives, he has to make that come to pass for us. It is not his will that we go down to defeat. It's not his will that we give our lives physically for the gospel, even though that's a personal choice that people make sometimes. You understand me? They get involved in these conflicts, and the pressure is so overwhelming that they would rather go home to be with the Lord than to tough it out more. And, and that's your choice to make. It's not a... That's not a, a, a cop-out or anything like that. The Apostle Paul was like that. He was very vocal about it. He said, I'm in a strait between two. He said, like, between a rock and a hard place. He said, one choice is just as difficult to make as the other. He said, my thinking is that I want to go home and be with the Lord, which is my heart's desire, but it's better for me that I, it's better for you that I stay here so that I continue to work for the Lord and leave and inherit a greater inheritance for the people in the earth. And I'm glad he stayed. You got me? Because we have so much more to enjoy in the word of God because of the sacrifice that he made. And so this is always the conflict with believers. This is why when you have relatives who, who pass away in the Lord, uh, you know, don't act like there's no hope for you. Uh, you know, don't don't get in this this business where they got to find the Long Island medium to tell you, give you a message from them. You already have a message from them. Amen. It's that they're saved, book closed. Amen. That's the end of the story right there, that they're in the presence of the Lord. And so we we are people who have to understand our positioning here in the earth. We are here on a divine mission, uh, but there have been many others who have gone this way that we're going we're not unique in the sense that this isn't this is something foreign and it's new and it's you know something that's not tested. This thing has been tested many many times over and we know that God's kingdom always prevails. So we live now in a, a country unfortunately where people have turned against God and they are finding and it's amazing to me how we were founded as one nation under God. We had a constitution that was fought over to give people freedom to do what they are denying certain people in this nation to do. This country was founded on freedom. Freedom of religion was one of the the basic concepts that they brought here, that they felt nobody should be persecuted for what they believe, so which allows that Christians can't put down other groups and form laws that keep other religious groups. Let's see, this is where, where people who like to be liberal will split hairs with you. They want to believe that homosexuality somehow qualifies as a religion. 
I'm going to say it again. They want to put homosexuality in the category of a religion. Amen. Because they feel that Christians, because we have a moral foundation in God's word, they feel that somehow we are discriminating against people who are immoral. No, we think all sin will take you to hell. There's no discrimination there. See, we don't practice any of it. We don't fornicate. We don't adulterate. We don't lie. We don't steal. Huh? We don't do any of those things. But yet they want to pull one sin out and make it. And let me tell you why they pull that one out. Because they know that that one's an abomination because God already pulled it out as an abomination he had. He's already destroyed two cities because of that sin, because they tolerated it. And so it's going to be the same thing for us if we tolerate it. So we make our stand and we don't tolerate it. I'll pray for any homosexual that wants to be free to be free. If you don't want to be free, you go do your thing, but don't mess with my thing over here because I know God has called me to do what I'm doing. And I love God. I'm not going to turn on him for anything. Are you kidding me? If God has never done anything for you, you need to worship him because he is God. Amen? When you find the real God, you worship him because he's God. He don't have to do nothing for you but be God. Huh? Huh? So anyway, we're founded as one nation under God. This is conflict in the spirit. And a breach of our covenant promise to obey God as a nation. So as a nation now, we are in, we have violated our covenant with God. If we say we are one nation under God, and we're starting to put God below the gods of this world, then we're in conflict with our covenant with God. So, and we as Christians then, We have an obligation to the world to show forth what it means to be under God. We need to stand for being under God and not continue to side with the enemy who wants to pull us out from under God's provision, under his oversight, under his protection, and under his laws. And you start disobeying God wholesale, things are going to fall apart really fast. And they are falling apart really fast, but people refuse to believe that that's the reason for it. Most people don't really believe that that uh, uh, <laughs> it's their disobedience. You know, you have one one woman, Madeline Murray O'Hare, many years ago. Many of you know what happened to her at the end of her life. They believe she was tortured, she was beaten, she she caused the death of her son and granddaughter because of her stand against God you can't stand against God and, and you understand what he's God what you gonna do either worship him if you ain't gonna worship him leave him alone but don't work against him that's not gonna work at all like they used to say many have tried and many have died huh absolutely and so so what she did was she went all the way to the Supreme Court she said that prayer in schools was an offense to her Uh, She was a very um, abrasive woman. Nobody liked her, and she didn't care. She was on a mission. Uh, She was the modern-day Pharaoh 
because she was so hardened in her heart, in her speech, in her attitude, in all of those things. And so she was able to get prayer removed from schools, and she had left a legacy of having an atheist organization. She made the mistake, and this is what the enemy does, and this is what people need to do, uh, understand. When God uses you, uh, he elevates you, promotes you, prolongs your life. He rewards you with long life, blessings, honor, all that kind of stuff. When the devil begins to use you, once you're no more good to him, he gets rid of you, just disposes of you. And so what happened to her she made the mistake of, of turning her anger. Once she was done with her mission to get prayer out of schools, she kept her organization going, and she wound up turning her anger against someone. They say in her organization she had a lot of people around her who were criminals, ex-convicts, because she couldn't attract decent people. You understand what I'm saying? And so she had a gentleman there who uh, had a, a record, and she said some things about him that indicated that she was going to expose him to the world and his past deeds and all that. Well, he and a friend of his just kidnapped her. She wasn't the type of person that had a lot of protection around her, a lot of bodyguards. They kidnapped her and her son and her granddaughter one day, and they were never heard of again. He wound up draining all the money out of their their organization. And because this woman was so hated and so despised, it was hard for the police to even take an interest in finding out where they were. You understand what I'm saying? You know how they do it. Uh, they're adults. They can do what they want to do. You know, file a missing persons report, and we'll keep a lookout for them. But it took about two years for them to locate where their bodies were. And they realized from the trail that these men left, they realized that they had held them prisoner for a prolonged period of time gotten her to remove, withdraw money from the organization and give to them and probably beat or tortured them before they shot them dead and buried them. This is what happens when the devil uses you. Got me? This is your fate when you stand up before godly people and before the, the United States government and defy God. Amen? So when the devil's done with you, he'll dispose of you and make an example of you. Amen? And then, you know, other people then are, are cautious and, and refuse to follow. That's God's mercy. You got me? When you see that happen to somebody, that's God exposing this and is God is saying, warning people, you continue to fight against me and you continue to fight against my people. This is what the enemy does to you and I will let everybody know what happened to you. Amen? And so we, we believe that God allows people ample time to repent. She had another son who wound up getting born again and was a Christian. And he said that he was praying for his mother. He stated publicly many times. He said, I'm ashamed of what my mother is doing. I wish she could get saved, and I'm praying for her and her salvation. You know? So you don't know if all that kidnapping and all that torture and all that was to bring her to repentance so that she could cry out to God and repent. You just don't know. And so many times we look at these things and we don't understand. Well, this lady, you know, and this happened to her and so forth and so on. You would be wise to watch what happens to these people and make sure that you stay on the right side of righteousness and put your investment in the kingdom that will stand forever and not get involved with these 
these ungodly things, people that will say anything and do anything in front of God and flaunt his laws and and demean his people and all that kind of stuff. You cannot do that. I don't care what millennia you think we're living in. People say, well, this is the 2000s. We don't think like that. Uh, don't. I know you ain't including me in that we. Huh? I think like God tells me to think. I look at his word. Amen. It's a blessing to me. I'm going all the way with God, and I don't care about any of this nonsense you people are doing. Huh? All of these movements of the kingdom of darkness will be put down. Amen. All of them. Because our God reigns. And he's not waiting till the end of everything to save everybody out of here. He's saving us every day. So if you're a one nation under God and you turn against God, you are in conflict against God. And God will raise up somebody, even if it's just one body. He must raise up a deliverer when conflict arises, when people decide they want to obey God's standards, as our heart reveals them to us, then we put ourselves in a position of either conforming to the world or you have to stand in righteous disobedience to the laws of the land or to the laws that are, are being uh, passed as the law of the land. God expects us to stay true to him no matter what the sacrifice or the cost. He expects that. It's not rare for him to expect somebody. He expects everybody to stay true to him. We have a covenant with God to stay true to him. So no matter what the cost and what the sacrifice, we must stay true. So we're going to examine a few people that stood in righteous disobedience to the injustice that was going on uh, in the world. The first example I have of Naboth. These are people who are kind of little known as far as their stand, but these are people who stood in righteous disobedience to a law that was against the law of God. In 1 Kings chapter 21, let's start in verse 1. It came to pass after these things that Naboth the Jezreelite had a vineyard, which was in Jezreel, and it was very close to the palace of Ahab the king of Samaria. So it was prime property. Anytime you're close to where the king is, that's prime property. And it says, And Ahab spoke to Naboth, saying, Give me your vineyard, that I may have a garden of herbs, because it's near to my house, and I will give for you a better vineyard, or if it seems good to you, I will give you the money, uh, the worth, the value of it in money. Naboth said to Ahab, the Lord forbid me that I should give the inheritance of my fathers unto you. God forbid that I would give the inheritance of my fathers to you. And this is, this is the seed of righteous disobedience. What Naboth saw, what the king saw was very different than what Naboth saw here. Value depends on who's looking at it and how they look at it and what they feel they have invested in it. What the king saw was just a piece of land. It's close to my land. I can go plant some stuff in there. He wasn't going to plant nothing. He's going to have servants plant it. 
but he looked at it he says oh that'll give me a little more land he said i can put some more stuff out there i'm just increasing my holdings Mm -hmm. any king that was worth his salt would have gone out there and conquered more land if he wanted if that was david and david saw a piece of land somewhere so israelite owned it he'd say "Uh uh-uh hands off but if it was a philistine he said "Mm, we'll just take some more land i know where to get some more you don't have to strive with people over their inheritance what they are depending upon for their children their grandchildren what they what what naboth saw was the hard work and the diligence of the people who had gone before him to preserve that inheritance for him and the conviction of him holding that up was stronger than just giving it over to the king he didn't care who it was so what was in Nabal's heart was really not so much rebelling against authority but it was like hey you know you're the king of Israel you know how important land is to everybody here you know the history of this nation you know God gave us he, we when we came over with Moses we they drew lots for this inheritance the fall of the lot belongs to the Lord God chose this land for my family you're going to have me go against God's uh, vision for this family and God's law. I'm breaking God's law if I sell this property yeah, to you. Yeah, yeah. And I'm sure he probably thought Naboth would say, oh, yeah, that is right. That is the law in this land. Uh-uh, he didn't say that. What did he do? Cry, baby. That girl went home and laid on the bed and cried in front of his wife. Huh? Now this is typical of the Ahab-Jezebel syndrome. Huh? You know, women say, well, well if, he would, if he would do something, I wouldn't have to do so much. Hmm. You don't want it, you don't want him to, and he don't want to do nothing. So that's the the combination there. It's a weak man who won't uh, uh, take his rightful authority in a home, coupled with a woman who prefers a man that like that. People pick each other because of those traits. Are you kidding me? Huh? Bonnie and Clyde, she can take the machine gun and kill her some cops just like he can. You understand what I'm saying? In God's household, the pants only fit one person. Huh? You don't have two people wearing pants in God's household. God is holding that man responsible for everything that goes on there. Let him be responsible to God. Huh? And woman, you do what you're supposed to do. House all toe up from the flow up, can't comb your hair, can't cook, can't do nothing. But you can go and illegally sign his name to something. It says here, and Ahab came into his house heavy and displeased because of the word which Naboth the Jezreelite spoke. And he said, I will not give the inheritance of my fathers. Lay down on the bed and put his face to the wall and pouted. Mm-hmm. That pout. See, women, if you will ignore the pout, your man would get up and do something. Huh? What she did, she ran to him, petting him up. What's wrong, baby? Treating him like a little kid. 
preach to myself. I see I'm going to I'm gonna have to go hard or go home today. Verse 5, his wife came to him and said, why is your spirit so sad? Why aren't you eating? And see, they didn't been through this trip many times before. This is how they operate. Amen. He didn't have enough guts to go out and kill somebody and take their property. So he gets somebody to do his dirty work for him. You know, you got murder in your heart anyway, Ahab. You want to do it. But you don't want to leave no blood trail, no paper trail. So you get a woman to do your wife work for you. So he whines and tells her the whole story. I offered to buy it from me. He said, Mm-mm, I don't want it. I got to have that. I want to put some herb, herb in the garden. Yeah, y'all woke up then, didn't you? Jezebel, his wife, verse 7, said to him, uh, aren't you a king? Now, this is the this is the hook, though. She's telling him, get up in your manhood and do what you're supposed to do, but she won't let him do it. Huh? <laughs> get up and do what you're supposed to do, but I'm going to do it for you anyway. You know, some people like cripple people. True. It's true. You know, a lot of times people don't really respect you as a human being. They just need you for certain things. Huh? And they like to keep you crippled and helpless so that they can be the one that calls all the shots. And they can be the one that makes all the decisions. And they can be powerful. She married him so that she can forge his name to documents and she could have her way and don't even pay attention to him. Find somebody don't care what you do in their name, huh? And get up and do your thing. She's a very controlling and manipula- manipulative woman. She likes keeping him in that bed with his face turned to the wall, pouting. So behind his back, she can do whatever she wants to do in his name. And that's exactly what she did, huh? She said, aren't you a king? He said, I'll give you. She said, I will give you his vineyard. Uh, I'll give it to you. So you see who has the power there. So she wrote letters in Ahab's name, sealed them with his seal, sent letters to the elders and nobles that were in the city dwelling. And she wrote letters saying, proclaim a fast. Now she get religious. Huh? They use anything they need to use. To get their way. Huh? This is, this, is, this is why CNN will invite somebody like Joel Osteen on and ask him about homosexuality. Just proclaim a fast. Go get me somebody religious to sit up so I can question and I can get the, the Christians confused. Huh? For sure. That's all she's doing here. She's getting everybody involved. She's getting the religious people involved. She's getting the, the legal people involved. Let's call the elders to the gate. And let's accuse Naboth of blaspheming God and kill him and take his land from him. Because they knew that was the only way they could get his land was to get rid of him. You couldn't get it any other way in Israel. 
They couldn't get him to sign it over. They couldn't get him to sell it. They couldn't get him in debt so they could take it away from him. So they had to set him up for death. And that's why they behead Christians in Muslim countries. Huh? Because they just want to get rid of us. We're the voice of God. That's all we are is a voice, folks. And once you silence the voice of God, then you can do anything you want to, so they think. But God raises more of us up and more of us up. He got a lot of people. He got much people in every city. Verse 9, she wrote in a letter saying, Proclaim a fast and set Naboth on high among the people and set two men, sons of Belial, before him to bear witness against him, saying, You did blaspheme God and the king. Carry him out and stone him that he may die. And the men of the city, the elders and nobles that were inhabitants of it, did as she said. As it was written in the letters which she had sent unto them, make a pro- proclaimed a fast, set Naboth on high among the people. And then came in two men, children of Belial, sat before him. The men witnessed against him. Witnessed against him. This is the enemy's tactic whenever righteous people take a stand. They find people to witness against us. I believe preachers nowadays need to be careful about staying in the pulpit, preaching the word, and don't go let some uh, unbeliever question them about the Bible. That's my feeling. If you don't feel like you can give a proper answer and you can withstand the pressure and the condemnation that will come to you when you speak God's word boldly in front of a nation of people, you need to say, uh-uh, pass. I ain't the one. I have nothing to say. I'm going to stay in my pulpit and feed the sheep of God and stay out of trouble. You got me? Just stay out of trouble. Because all you're doing, you're like the elders at the gate and the sons of Belial. You are proclaiming against God's word and against God's people if you can't clearly declare the word of God And quit saying that you're only there to love people. When you start this nonsense, we don't want people to feel bad coming to church. You already lost Jesus Christ. You already canceled the gospel. Huh? I want y'all to feel bad when you need to feel bad. I want you to feel good when you need to feel good. I want me, I want the same thing for myself. You need a good whooping sometimes. We run our mouths too much about the wrong thing. And we have the wrong vision in our hearts sometimes. You need to have a vision of the sick getting well, of people who are oppressed getting free. All the things Jesus saw when he would walk out and to minister to a crowd, that's what we need to see in this nation. We don't need to see more numbers of people. Now we got mega church people talking against small churches. And we do, the, we do the heavy lifting for the people of God. You know, we see the people they won't touch. God called us all. You know, if you're a small church, you got just as much right to preach the gospel as somebody who's got millions of dollars. Amen? So let's quit playing around with this nonsense. But in righteous disobedience, Naboth stood up for his family inheritance. Which was God. Amen. You stand up for God. You, you may not think what you're standing for is a very important life-changing principle. 
I mean, what difference was it made? We bought, we sold a family inheritance. He gave us money. We bought something else, huh? But it was the with him, Naboth. It was the principle. What foundation has been put, placed under you as a believer? You young people who grew up in the ministry, what foundation do you have under you as believers? You see people suffering, you know that's not God's will. You should offer to pray for them. You should lay hands on them. You should do. Don't ever pass up an opportunity to minister to somebody and the things you know are are second nature to you. You don't pass up people and don't want them to know you're a Christian because you're trying to be uh, worldly like they are. Don't ever sell out for that kind of nonsense. And see, we're confronted with these kinds of opportunities every day. Every day you have the opportunity to stand for God and make it that part of your platform. Your, what you stand on in life, you must stand on every day. I don't care how, how much pressure there is, who don't like it, and all your buds, your best buds and your BFF is what they're doing. You stand for God. Cut the nonsense out. This man, something inside of him righteously got indignant when it came to do I sell my family inheritance God gave us this property that means something to me and even before the king it didn't mean anything to the king but it's got to mean something to somebody if it means something to anybody and they feel like it's the will of God for them to take a stand you need to take a stand you just need to do it and you need to stand because you're violating your principles You're violating God's law. You're violating your conscience. You're messing yourself up in order to stay peaceful with the powers that be. So here we have somebody, it's like the eminent domain principle in our nation. Now, it works well in most cases. Most cases, people don't have a lot of uh, this kind of understanding tied up in what they do, but there are some people who do. Look at some of the Indian tribes who felt an ancestral connection to the land they were in and they were moved off of the land by somebody who wanted to put in a railroad so they could make more money. You understand what I'm saying? You cannot continue to violate the principles and consciences of people in a nation that that claims to be one nation under God. Everybody should be able to, to live out their convictions in peace without harassment They should be able to live what they believe every single day without conflict from somebody who can oppress them. And so here we have somebody, Naboth was was, uh, fighting against what we would call eminent domain. The government wants your property. You feel that you have a God-given right to hold on to it. What do you do? Sometimes it's not even government, but private people want to put pressure on you, want to build another shopping mall. Look at all the empty malls now where they've taken people's homes, maybe paid them a little bit of money for it. Sometimes people never get the value of their property out of these situations. So there is some flaw there. Everything that's man-made is always going to have some flaw. So Naboth refused on the grounds that it was his family inheritance given by God to those people. It was sacred, and it was holy to him. And he took a stand, and it cost him his life. That inheritance went back to the days of Moses, and that land was fought over. They had to give their lives to get people off of that land so that they could dwell there. 
And so when, when it comes to a government or a, a group of people who call themselves a government, they think nothing about the toil you put into things. They think nothing about the, the investment that you've made. If your, per, your property goes down in value and they decide that's all they want to give you for it, then you're just out. You understand what I'm saying? And so, but there are some cases where people need to take a stand. And in Naboth's case, he needed to take a stand, even though it was just over land, which there was plenty of it, but this land was God-given. It meant something. And God did not look kindly on people who sold a family inheritance. He did not look at it. He said, this is your possession forever. And so here's a king who claims he's under God, too, just like you're under God. And he tells you to violate God's law. So what do you do? You have to take your stand for God. You have to take your stand for God. Amen? The, the Bible says in Psalm 37, 18, let me read that to you. Psalm 37, verse 18. It says, the Lord knows the days of the upright. Their inheritance shall be forever. Amen. So knowing that, that God expects you to hold on to that land forever. You don't know what's going to happen, what fate may befall your children and your grandchildren. And all you have to secure their future is that plot of land. And so you want to hold on to that so that they will have an inheritance forever. So the inheritance of the upright shall be forever. So apparently Nabal felt that <clears throat> and felt an obligation to God, to his ancestors and his descendants. So all of this is weighing on his conscience, and he decides to hold on to the land and not sell it for anything. His heart and his conscience are telling him not to sell even though the king wants it. Ahab wants it for a garden, and this man sees it as representing God's destiny for his family. You should see your Christian life as the destiny of your children and your grandchildren forever. It's not something you can throw away because somebody's voted in that doesn't like certain things and you can side with them. And then when the going gets right in the other direction, you side with God. You can't do that. You side with God the whole time. You don't know if you'll, you'll get a chance to switch back over <laughs> on the other side of the tracks need to stay on God's side regardless. So the conflict proceeds as the enemy dispatches spirits to stir up trouble for Naboth. We saw that in verses 8 through 14. If you turn back to 1 Kings 21 again. Sorry to have you jumping around. But he, he decides that he's going to take a stand. And this stand begins to cost him his life. Verses 8 through 14. The enemy dispatches spiritual forces to stir up trouble. For the person that takes a stand, takes a godly stand. That's always going to happen. Amen. The same spirits that Jezebel used to take his property, the enemy will use against us when we take a righteous stand. The powers that rule property and inheritance dispatch voices to falsely accuse Naboth and cause his death in order for him to acquire this property. These same spirits are dispatched against everyone who chooses righteous disobedience to governmental authority. When laws defy the word of God, a child of God may find himself opposing the written law or the law of the land. That's, that's not uncommon. That's more common than you know. 
it goes beyond a baker not wanting to put a man and a woman on top of a cake because their conscience tells them you're selling out for the price of this what you gonna do and they threaten to take your business they can sue you for x number of of money they never put a limit on these lawsuits how much pain can you really cause somebody with a wedding cake come on now listen if somebody if somebody murdered your loved one if they're broken in prison you wind up taking your tax money to pay for them to live out a life sentence and you get nothing you understand what i'm saying so let's get real here there are a lot of losses that are suffered that we never get paid for are you kidding me what's a life worth there are people get loved ones murdered every single day and they suffer and never get repaid and you're telling me you can take somebody's livelihood and their inheritance because you don't put two dolls on top of a cake all they had to do is say we'll bake the cake you put your own dolls on there somebody needs to start a bakery decorate yourself because that's really what it comes down to now we got churches that are so intimidating these places don't serve god anyway we know that they're just going through the motions see god is exposing all this phony nonsense he's exposing who's his and who really ain't his you got churches telling their ministers now you got to marry same-sex people you ain't got to do nothing you got to serve god he don't even demand you he does god doesn't force you to do anything people are crazy and they'll make you crazy too sitting up listening to them and trying to understand the worst thing you can do is try to understand the devil There's only one thing you're supposed to do to a devil is take authority over it. Make it shut up. They would talk out at Jesus. He said, shut up. Talking to me. Who do you think you are? Don't tell me what to do. See, you saw the king of glory when he dealt with a devil. Huh? You saw the you saw the servant when he dealt with people, but when he dealt with a devil, you saw the king of glory. Huh? unfortunately for us as believers we don't have many people who stand in that authority as a king of glory they're all intimidated by the crowd by are they going to stay on television can they pay their bills next month they're all intimidated by that nonsense so the powers that rule in that area that's being disputed they will send forces they dispatch forces to harass people and falsely accuse you Hmm? oh you're homophobic yeah i am i get i scratch when i'm around certain people (laughs) i have to keep moving (laughs) let me get out of here i'll be in this company Uh, i don't want to think like they do and have a right not to be around certain people don't you The powers that rule in these things dispatch voices to falsely accuse. And they did it to Naboth and caused his death in order to acquire his property. All over a piece of land. 
but it was more than a piece of land to him. These same spirits are dispatched against everyone who chooses righteous disobedience to governmental authority. When Jesus, when laws defy the word of God, a child of God may find himself opposing the law. What the law does depends on how they decide to respond to our refusal and also what God decides that he wants out of a situation. There's something God wants out of it. Mostly when we're in trouble, we want out. Uh, We want the pain to end right away. But you've got to stand pat and believe for the salvation of the Lord because it will come. Before you step into this, you've got to have it in there with your whole heart. Kim Davis is a modern day example of this. You know, she she goes to work and she later said, she said, you know, I didn't expect all of this. She said, because this this is what she said. She says, we have uh, vegetarians that work here and we don't make them pass out hunting licenses. Did you know they already have a law in place for a waiver? For signing for a license, you don't uphold what the license stands for? already had a law in place for that so she assumed they were going to do the same thing with her and it wasn't going to be a big deal uh baby doll let me school you on something here we know you ain't been saved by so long which which blows your mind imagine people who have had salvation in their their household for generations caving and a woman who just got saved five years ago stands up and says, I don't believe in this. I'm not going to do it. Huh? Amazing. That shows you who's really sold out. Huh? Unbelievable. And see, the devil never thinks that kind of stand is going to come out of somebody on that level. Huh? <laughs> you never know. See, that was God's surprise for the enemy. Huh? <laughs> Many believers have, have faced jail and chosen jail. Paul and Silas made the same decision. Huh? They got sick of this false witness. And Paul never really just envisioned himself going to jail. He thought he cast, he cast devils out of tons of people before. But he cast the wrong devil out of the right person. Huh? And this is what you don't know, because when you're accustomed to just taking your stand in God on a day-to-day basis, you don't see it as stirring up that kind of conflict and that kind of trouble for you. But that end of it belongs to God. You're not in control of, of what happens to your words after you speak them. Those words are carried by the Spirit of God. God decides what impact those words are going to have. Paul and Silas made a decision paul made a decision got tired of that girl running behind him every day harassing him huh you got a right to privacy and peace so he chose peace and it cost him jail time which wasn't new for him because he'd been in jail for god before that wasn't a big deal to him but what he didn't expect was how he got out of jail Because he knew when it was his time. Those apostles knew when their time was over. And he knew his time wasn't over, but he might get a beating while he's in there. And that you don't want. Nobody wants to get in jail and get beaten. And he didn't imagine 
See, let me tell you what God is doing in these things. God is proving to all of the whole world that he's God. Don't ever think when you make a stand for God, he's just going to let you get beat up, get persecuted, and you get dumped on and take all the crap that the world wants to put on you for nothing. There's a divine purpose behind it. There's a divine reason behind it. There's divine wisdom behind everything that God does. But he can't do anything until he finds somebody with enough backbone to take a stand and quit compromising, quit whining, quit thinking about yourself. And where This is why he tells us, don't think about what you're going to eat, drink, and wear. I got that covered. Can you believe that for one day I got that covered? Your livelihood is not at stake when you take a stand for me. The only thing that might be at stake for a season is your little personal comfort. Go to jail for a weekend or five days or whatever it is. You understand me? He's not going to keep you in there. This is not forever. I'm going to say it again. This is not forever. See, the devil wants us to live in fear of the enemy and live in fear of the devil's words and live in fear of what the devil can do to us. You know, we got to go before a board in Detroit. Now, all these crazy people, I'm telling God, I say, God, listen, last time we did this, we didn't have all this trouble. What's up now? And you look around in the world and you see what's up now. You understand me? This is, this is the devil wanting to kill you and choke you off because of what you can do. You know, people come up to me and say, yeah, I got a church in that city and we did this and we, well, you ain't me. You understand me? I got to focus on what I got to do. You keep, do, do what you do how you do. You do you. If you can't pray for me and, and get me through this and help me, don't tell me how easy it was for you. Nothing I've done for God has been easy. It's cheap either, baby. You understand me? <laughs> these things move me <laughs> you know you got to get in your right you know prophetic mindset and say oh I'm going to count this all joy huh and listen you know people say well count it all joy because at the end you're going to get a big bl-. no I'm counting it all joy right now I don't care what the end is at this point it can be a big blessing or it can be a big disappointment but I'm counting it all joy anyway I'm going to get excited. The devil trying to jump on me. I'm going to be happy. Because I'm going to get some real big at the end. What's real big? More work for God? Are you kidding me? Pie in the sky Christian. Nuts. crazy. Telling you all. I knew the, I knew we were going to have a good meeting tonight because the devil been kicking up. I don't want him kicking up on me. I'm going to kick him back. You think I take cues from the devil on how to get excited about life? Are you kidding me? Ooh, you done made the devil mad. Listen, he was mad from the beginning. My coming into the world ain't made a difference in his attitude one way or the other. You understand me? People need to get sober, man. They, 
and they're doing the same thing they did, didn't do for God 20 years ago and not excited about it because the devil's mad. I'm just... The outcome in all of these situations depends on our stance before God. What you say before God makes all the difference. For Naboth, his refusal resulted in his death. This man was not afraid to refuse the king of something. And he knew that man was evil. You live next door to somebody, you know what they live like. Saying all them bailed and them temples and statues running around in that place. He knew he was no good, but he took a stand anyway. In verses 15 to 25, you'll see God's judgment for violating his law. That's the best part. You know, you know it's coming. God does it in front of everybody. Why? So they can know, I'm the G. Don't mess with me. Wow. Uh, and he means it, too. Ooh, um, Pastor Bart, that sounds so mean. I don't care how it sounds to you, but it sounds good to me. It lets me know I'm serving the right one, baby. Verse 15, came to pass when Jezebel heard that Naboth was stoned and was dead. She said to Ahab, get up now. Now he's been in the bed all this time. Queen. Oops, I mean king. Oops, I mean queen. Whatever. Your family is doomed if your man can't get up until you tell him to. He need to be getting up on his own every day, going to work, providing for the family. You understand me? They don't get up until you make them get up. Something ain't right. Till they get permission. <laughs> See, I don't preach on this often. This is why. I hate this stuff. See what I'm saying? I really hate it. But today's my day. <laughs> Take possession of the vineyard of Naboth the Jezreelite, which he refused to give you for money, for Naboth is not alive but dead. You know, I hate it because it's in power in this nation now. And I see a lot of good families, good men not being allowed and supported by a supportive wife. They're being dominated by a dominating woman. All because of the power of the paycheck many times. See, there's that reversal there that our government supports. I still say a woman can influence a man to do good much more than she can get up and do it herself. If you know the purpose that you're there in that man's life, you'll be an influence for good and an encouragement and a support to them rather than somebody who get up and boss them around because you don't have patience uh, with them finding their way. People have to find their way in life. They can't just jump up and do it because you want it now. Just saying came to pass verse 16 when Ahab heard that Naboth was dead he rose up to go down the vineyard and take possession of it and the word of the Lord came to Elijah the Tishbite hello ouch and it wasn't a prophesied to the king that he was going to get blessed 
I'm talking about true prophets of God. They hear from God, servants of God, God's servant, comma, the prophet. I'm talking about them people. I'm talking about these other people. You understand what I'm saying? He says, arise, go down to meet Ahab and look him in the eyeballs. Which is in Samaria. Behold, he is in the vineyard of Naaman. Oh, Lord, have mercy. Man didn't get to keep enjoy his property for one day. The minute he went down to claim it, God sent something for him. You got it? You got it, folks? Those of you who think God takes forever to do something, to rescue you from your trouble, to do this and do that, let me give serve you notice. That devil, that delay devil that tells you, oh, delayed but not denied. You're never delayed. You understand me? The delay is in how you perceive God. You need to start looking at him the right way. Get in your Bible and find out what God really does when he ticked off because somebody's down there murdering his people. Are you kidding me? When Stephen was being stoned, Jesus got up off his throne. It wasn't because Stephen was giving his life because he was angry because these people were murdering his people. Are you kidding me? Like you're just a pawn in some game. You're not no pawn. You're a chosen generation. You're a royal priesthood. You're of great value to God. And he's not pleased. Said the minute he went down there to possess it, God said, "Get up, Elijah, and go down there and talk to him. I got a message for him. He's at the vineyard of Naboth, where he has gone down to possess it, and you shall speak to him and say, Thus saith the Lord, Have you killed and also taken? See, God sees everything. He sees it the minute you do it, and he dispatches an answer for it." People think grace and mercy cover all our nonsense and our sin and our evil and our wickedness. It don't cover none of that stuff. And he says, and you shall speak to him, saying, thus saith the Lord, in the place where the dogs lick the blood of neighbor shall the dog lick thy blood, even yours. You're going to die in the same place he did. Ahab said to Elijah, have you found me? My enemy. Yeah, go get your old lady to take care of the prophet. Many have tried, many have died. Huh? You know, we had our meeting in Canada over there. And the, the pastor of the church, now we got man and woman, husband and wife pastors of the church. He sends his wife down, his little people at his church mad because I won't give him the mic to pray loud at our meetings. No, you ain't getting it. And you ain't never getting it. I might give it to somebody who can pray, but I ain't giving it to you. If God don't tell me to do something, I don't do it. Are you kidding me? So I told him, no, we don't run the meeting like this. They wouldn't tell their pastor to come tell me to get him the mic at my prayer meeting. Why don't your pastor give you a mic down there where you paying your tithes? You ain't even put nothing in the offering down here and want to take over. So she came. So God had me prepare a sermon for her. As if she was the only one sitting there. <laughs> 
And she squirmed in the seat and squirmed in the seat and squirmed, but she sat there the whole time. She's like glued in that chair. I see if me as I was a pastor of a church, I said, Oh, oh I gotta be somewhere. She couldn't even lie and say she had to be somewhere. She had to sit there and listen to the whole thing. Pay attention, you might learn something. Huh? You might learn something about who you are. And you don't have authority to tell God to tell somebody, a servant, who art thou to criticize another man's servant? God will talk to me about what I'm doing and get me straight. He don't need you to intervene on his behalf to correct me. Are you kidding me? He'll talk to you about you. This is, oh, have you found me, oh, mine enemy? You never have anything good to say about me. Only my wife says good stuff to me. And he says, I have found you because you have sold yourself to work evil in the sight of the Lord. God sees everything. Are you kidding me? You may think you you whispering behind somebody's back and before you know it, they know. You know how you know they know it? You feel stupid around them. You're already under conviction. You're just waiting for the hammer to drop. God any sense, you'll repent and see if God will help you out this time. And he said to Elijah, have you found me, O mine enemy? <laughs> Verse 21, he said, behold, now check this out. Look, now listen, Ahab, I'm going to tell you what's going to happen to you for real. I will bring evil upon you. I will take away your posterity. That means your kids. Huh? Oh, yeah, when God wipes it out, he wipes it out. And will cut off from Ahab him that uh, is a male and him that is shut up and left in Israel. And I'll make your house like that of Jeroboam. Uh, and then God runs down the whole history of all the bad people that messed with him in Israel. You got me? So all those people that you feared being like them, you're going to be like them. You keep messing with them. You see what I'm saying? And that's what God is saying to anybody who stands against him and against his word and against his people who are carrying out his word. He said, and Jezebel also spake the Lord. He said, both of y'all, the dog shall eat her by the wall of Jezreel. And he him that dies of Ahab in the city, the dogs will eat this. will happen to all your kids and grandkids. You'll find out it's not worth it to cross God. All of this, this is the cost of stealing from a child of God. Huh? Being obedient to God. God said, you made me so sick, I can't think of anybody who's been like you. In verse 25, he says, nobody's been like you to do this kind of crazy stuff. He said, that's why I'm double mad at you. You sold yourself to work the wickedness in the sight of the Lord. In the sight. And you can't blame your old lady this time. I'm getting both of y'all. So I'm cutting all this nonsense off. I'm cutting it all off. I'm telling you, this nation has not seen yet the hand of God move against those who are moving against the liberty, religious freedom of his people. You, You haven't seen it yet, folks. So you have to respect what God is doing. You have to put take your hands off. There are some things that are holy, and you can't get away with messing around with it. You're not going to get away with it. Hmm? People make the mistake 
of thinking. You know, I've heard people even get comfortable in sin, thinking that God's never going to judge it. Never, Unconfessed sin will be judged. I've got news for you, believer. You think you're covered by grace and you continue to do wrong, you're wrong. You're wrong. People run around and, and sleep around in church. Just run back and forth and even bring people they slept with to church. Huh? Want to sit there and just because God didn't kill you when you was in the bed last night, that don't mean you got away with it. So they get comfortable in their sin, thinking that God's winking. Uh huh. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. God, He didn't do nothing to us. Yeah, but you're not looking. You're looking at the seed. Look down there at the fruit. Huh? God is not mocked. You're trying to mock God. That's what it means to mock Him. That ha ha ha. I got away with it. Ha ha ha. Nobody knows. Ha ha ha. You don't do that to God. Huh? You kidding me? He's God. It might take a, a while, but that fruit will come up. Huh? It'll bear fruit. Are you kidding me? You better repent while you can. You better quit. You know, or, or they get married. This is the cover up. Get married and marry your sin and think you done got away with it. Huh? Your life never takes off. You're never blessed. You can't hold down a job. You can't have property. You can't amass any kind of living poverty the rest of your life. Why? Just for the nights you snuck around. Is it worth it? Huh? You need to decide for yourself. Is it worth it? Did you have enough fun doing that and thinking you were getting away with something? Making fun of the people of God? Behind their backs, you laugh at the singles in the church who are living celibate because you think you're getting away with it. Is it worth it? Tell me now, is it worth it? Huh? Is it worth it? You bring your kids to church faithfully now that you've married your sin, and you can't control them at home. They mock you, don't diso- they disobey you, and slap you. And you're in the church. Uh, is it worth it? Do you have fun laughing at the people of God while you're in sin? Making a mockery of everything? Now, we haven't lived yet. Wait till you get retirement age. Huh? Still living in poverty? No property? But is it worth it? Laughing at the people of God who are living right? And you, were having, you two were having all the fun? Huh? Is it worth it? Tell me, is it worth it? And God will have you to to experience, but you need to one day say, God, it's not worth it. That's all you have to do. God will reverse it because he's merciful. You understand what I'm saying? He don't want you to live like that. How we doing, little Howard? How many? Oh, Lord, only eight minutes. Eight divine minutes. What do I do with my eight divine minutes? Why don't we go to Exodus chapter 1. Talk about the Hebrew midwives. And their righteous disobedience. I love talking about stuff like this because this makes it worth it, folks. Makes it worth it to serve God. Makes it worth it to know that you can go about your Christian life peacefully. And God's got your back, your front, your sides. He got everything. 
in Exodus chapter 1. We'll skip the genealogy. <laughs> so we see here the nation of Israel. And let's just let me give you a, a, what's in God's mind when he does stuff like this. He sets things up so that he can deliver his people. And he needs to set it up in such a way that his people want deliverance. So that's why persecution comes. So that we want deliverance. When he sends deliverance, we can move to the next place in God. Amen. I don't want to say another level. Because people get there. I mean, that level might be a step down. We don't even know it because somebody told us to look for another level. But God is keeping his promise because it's coming up on 430 years, but we're really like almost 100 years out of the termination of the, the Egyptian bondage for the children of Israel. God had prophesied to Abraham, even back then, your descendants will live in Egypt for 430 years, and then they will be delivered. He said the same thing to, was after, he said the same thing to Jacob. Yeah, when he prophesied to all of his, when he left them in Egypt, he left them with a promise that they would come out eventually, and they would have their own land, and God will deliver them, because he's keeping his promise to Abraham. Remember, he said, look up at the stars, look down at the sand, your descendants will be that number, and I'll bring them into a land that they can live in. Now, Abraham went to Canaan, but because of famine, they had to go to Egypt just to survive. Amen? But they did more than survive. This is what you need to know about wherever God places you. You're not there just to survive, not to have the bare minimum. You're there to reign. So when, when God eventually brings him out, he spares them of all the plagues of Egypt that the Egyptians had to suffer. Why? God wants you to know there's a difference. He wants you to know it's worth serving him. We're not serving him just to be on the earth and barely get by. We're serving him to rule and reign. And to be a glory to him. To be people other people want to be like. Not not like. So God had in his vision saving alive all of his descendants, all the descendants of Abraham, but also those who would convert. He's got more on his mind than just you and your bills and your whatever you need from week to week that he didn't gave you the money for 15 times, but you keep spending it on something else. We're beyond that level, folks. Let us move on to something that means something. Pharaoh, this is, there's a new Pharaoh in town. Verse 9, he said to his people, the children of Israel are more mighty than we. This is the beginning of the conflict. The enemy's afraid because of your numbers. He said, let's deal wisely with them or they're going to multiply. We need to, get, we need to form a plan to keep them from multiplying so much. So they sit over them taskmasters. First, the first, the first uh, plan is to make life miserable for them. Which while the enemy makes it miserable for you, God's setting you up for deliverance, folks. It's not going to stay like this forever. So don't build a camp around it. Don't get scared of it and don't accept it. Start crying out to God for your deliverance. What does the word say you're supposed to live like? Start crying out for that. God will bring that to you. Uh, We need a stronger amen than that, folks. Come on now. 
all the Egyptians did. Listen, if you scared your prayers ain't going to do it. You're so scared that, honey, I don't know if my faith is where it's supposed to be. My confession is y'all raggedy. And the, you know what the Egyptians did for a prayer? <sighs> That's as much as they pray. God knows his covenant with you. He knows what he got to do for you. But he's got to have somebody he can motivate to move. You know, he motivates most of his kid to move. He makes it uncomfortable for you to stay where you are. That's your motivation. Because if he came down and talked to you and promised you everything, mm, that sounds good, but mm, I don't know what that's going to cost me. I don't know if I fast enough and pray enough. And... Can you sigh? Can you just get tired of it? That's that's how we got civil rights laws in action. Rosa Parks got tired and sat down on the back of the bus. I mean, in the front. She took the only seat that was available. She was tired. So she sat down. And that caused a shakeup in the spiritual world like you wouldn't believe. The devil said, here's somebody that ain't scared of us. That's all you need to do is show the devil that you're somebody that ain't scared of him. She said, if I get arrested, they're going to arrest me today because I'm tired. And it don't help that I'm light-skinned at it, too. <laughs> I, always mess, I used to mess with my husband about stuff like that. He didn't like it. Got real. I never didn't do it much because I knew he was sensitive about it. But anyway. <laughs> well, you know, if you've got white blood in you, you figure you can do what white folks do. You understand what I'm saying? Let's be real. Can we be real here? We don't have much time, but we got to be real here. Huh? You part white. My my husband's uh, grandfather was white. His dad was half white. Sometimes people feel like I got blood in me, like like Queen. Who was that? What's the name? <laughs> the Queen. I'm just white as y'all. It's halfway anyway. Y'all halfway. Just y'all just look different. My name Queen. People are so messed up, y'all. They, they'll keep your head boggled with this black, white. Who knows? You don't know what you are. Huh? Now they got Ancestry.com. You can find out where you really come from. That one guy, one guy on a commercial, he said, I tra- traded in my later hosing for a kilt. He didn't know what he was. He, oh, I found out I wasn't that all. But he was acting like it, but when that's what he believed. I'm scared of people. I'm scared of us. We got one common ancestor anyway. That's Adam and Eve. All this other stuff is nonsense. Stuff the devil makes up to make get us interested in stuff. God did this for Israel because he needed a deliverer for the people. He had to put them in stricter bondage, make them want to come out of there. Sometimes you got to make it real uncomfortable for you. It's amazing how much nonsense people can tolerate and still not rebel against it so he told the the king of egypt verse 15 spoke to the hebrew midwives and he said when you do the office of midwife to the hebrew women and seat him upon the stools if it be a son you shall kill him but if it's a daughter save him alive but this is the big but the government has spoken but the midwives did what they got it that's all you got to do. That's your problem right there is the people who really know God and fear him. 
who reverence him and love him. Huh? Who have invest something invested in God. And you never know who those people are from looking at them. You might think it's the, the preacher on television who really loves God and you see how quick they sell out when there's pressure against them. All they got to do is put a little pressure on you that's going to diminish you in your eyes and they got you. Huh? Find people who aren't big in their own eyes and you got a big threat on your hands. You got it? You find a humble people. You got your biggest threat. So God needed a deliverer. It was coming up near to the time for the liberation of Israel. It was prophetically spoken already. 430 years of slavery was told to Abraham and to Jacob. And God did this to fulfill prophecy. He does it to keep his word. Just like he does everything in our lives. If he blesses you, he does it to keep his word. If he prospers you, he does it to keep his word. If he withholds blessing because you've been naughty, he does it to keep his word. You got me? He keeps his word. Whether we like it or not, he keeps his word. Whether it's convenient or not, he keeps his word. He will not allow his people to suffer defeat at the hands of the enemy. He just needs to raise up somebody who's going to stay on his side. So he gets these little midwives. And so they saved them all. The midwives feared God, didn't do as the king commanded them, but they saved the men children alive. So when he called them, what did they do? Come on now. See, this is the big, this is the big dilemma. They lied. Hello? What did they tell? What really happened? Them babies, they kept them babies alive. They didn't kill them. Huh? But what did they tell the king they did? Uh-huh. They said, ooh, that baby shot out there and I could barely catch him. And he started kicking and ran across that room. And the mama saw him before I could stop him. I'm real sorry. Huh? They had abortion back then. Abortion is one of the oldest tools of the devil to kill humanity. Huh? So they said, no, nah, them babies, they too quick for us. Huh? And that's the only ones you know about. We probably saved a lot of them you ain't even seen yet. So they were lively and they delivered them before before we got there. Them babies and woman they were nursing the baby. You can't just take a baby nursing the one. Come on now, we can't do that. God, you're asking too much there. And what did God do to the midwife for their lies? Blessed them, dealt well with. Them. Oh God, thou shalt not lie. Yeah, right. You lying to a liar. You doing the best you can down there to obey me. Oh, you can't say that in the pulpit. I just you read it in the Bible. I don't it ain't about me what I said. You read it with your own eyes. How do you think persecuted church people stay alive to preach another day and save more souls? They tell more lies to them people. They ain't worth telling the truth to. You understand me? The devil is a liar himself and the father of lies. And if he's willing to believe a lie and let somebody live, then so be it. Now, like somebody going to take that to the max. (laughs) We're going to go on a lying spree now. Lying to your creditors. You lie to them anyway. That's so automatic. You almost can't stop it. 
That's why God makes them quit calling you. God makes them forget your number so you don't keep lying every time they call. God sets up deliverance for his people. He needed a deliverer, which was Moses. The enemy tried to stop it by killing them all. Listen, honey, if, if the midwives had gotten scared and killed her, he'd have had a woman deliver his people. You understand why they got But when at 430 years, they was coming out. Huh? It's like, uh, 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 what's his name? Esther's uncle, Mordecai, Morty. Like he told Esther, he said, listen, queen, (laughs) (laughs) if you think for some reason we're going to die, whether or not you cooperate, my life depends on, uh uh-uh. He said, if you don't do it, God going to raise up somebody else. But we coming out, huh? We coming out. We are not going to stay oppressed forever. We coming out. Martin Luther King understood that. That's why people tried to make him a big deal. He said, no. He said, I'm just an instrument of the Lord for the time that I am here in this earth. Because he knew if I don't do this, God's going to raise up somebody to do it. But God has said it's time. Do you know when it's time, it's time? It's not dependent upon a person, but when it's time, it's time. And God knows his people well enough to to know who's going to obey him and who won't. He knows how to equip you to obey him. He knows how to groom. He knows everything. We're no mystery to God. You think he's shocked at what some of us do? He knows exactly what we're going to do. He knows certain preachers when they get up there to to speak for him are going to start lying on him. And tell people, oh, it's not. Well, you know, well, I wouldn't call it. God didn't send them to speak for him anyway. Moses stuttered, and God sent somebody to talk. Aaron would stand there, and Moses would run his mouth, work his mouth right beside him like a little ventriloquist. Huh? He made sure his message got across. If he got to send an interpreter for you, his message will get across, folks, but he's going to have a spokesman in this earth. Trust me. Trust me. Whether we do it or not, he's going to have somebody. And those people who, who are not faithful to God, I wouldn't want to be in their shoes. I'd rather go down fighting for God than to stand on my own flimsy stance, my fame, my popularity, huh? my numbers. I'd rather be accurate and true to God than to stand on all, all of that stuff. And why is it that the non-spirit-filled people always show up the spirit-filled ones? Spirit-filled people shrink back. <laughs> And then you get a little Baptist like Franklin Graham. He don't care what he say to nobody. You're going to die. Huh? You turn or burn. Get saved or go to hell. See, it don't take much finesse to say that. It don't take a bunch of spokespeople to make a simple, plain truth of the gospel out there. But sometimes the simpler your understanding is, you grow up with faithful parents over you and you'll be a faithful person if you respect and love them huh? you had to respect and love them huh? but but this business of righteous this righteous uh, what did I call it disobedience it's got to be done it's got to be done we can't sit up and, and, and pet the government and give them more money and get intimidated because we want their grant money you know 
Caesar can't grant me nothing that God can't grant me more of. You know, they take Christians to jail because they can't balance the books in their grants. Uh Uh-huh. Know some of them. You got me? It's a trap for a preacher. Just stay on your knees. You need something for God, he'll give it to you. But you don't need Caesar to sanction you one little bit. You understand me? You need Caesar more or less to stay out your way so you can do what God wants you to do. Amen. Why don't we quit? Father in heaven, we thank you for your word, for understanding, for the discipline, taking a stand for you. Father, I thank you that you've given us authority in the realm of the heavenlies. We don't have to put up with the devil's nonsense. We can bind him before he even gets in authority and get in power. We take our rightful authority on your behalf over the political powers of darkness that are trying to smother the freedom of this nation, smother the prosperity of this nation. They're trying to smother the generosity of this nation towards your gospel. And we thank you, Lord, that only your true ministers of the gospel will prevail, rule and reign, and rise up in this hour because you need them to come forth and do the work of the ministry on your behalf. And we thank you for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. If you need prayer, come on up.